Welcome back to The Shelf Oddities. I'm Serafina. And I'm Yuri. And what oddity are you feeling like today, Serafina? Today I am feeling like the nice, rusty horseshoe on my front door. Good for protection and good for luck. A little lucky. You love it. (laughs) Um, I am feeling like... Uh, a very beautiful bear-skinned rug, still with the face, preferably mm. with a pretty lady laying on top. You okay, know, sure. we got the scene in front of the yeah, fireplace. I feel it. We're doing it. Nice, cozy. Warm and cozy. Hell yeah. So what have you been up to lately? You know, well, we're now in mid-December. Mm-hmm. It's been cold. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, a little <laughs> nice and chilly, like the last place we left off, uh, you know, in the pit of despair. But to get myself through it, I did buy a variegated poinsettia, which I've never heard or seen. And I will post a picture on Instagram, but I have to show you. That is beautiful. I've never seen. So the poinsettias are like the red flower that you see all over Christmas, right? The ones that like if you eat them, you'll die. Yes, exactly. Um, But this one has like flecks of white all over it. It looks like a little peppermint plant. It's so cute. And I've just been obsessed but also, did you know that Lego came out with a greenhouse? No. It's so cute. Okay, did you buy that? No. Oh, you need to. I know. I th- but, yeah, that's what I've been up to also. Um, but these numbers are old by the time this episode comes out. But we actually uh, did hit 250 listeners. Hey. And I just want to thank everybody for, you know, hanging out with us and learning something new. Whether you're just hanging out with us when you're driving or cleaning, you know, when we listen to podcasts, when we're just hanging out doing stuff, we want to thank you for letting us into your brains Um, and sorry for all of the nonsense that we've pulled off (laughs) um, and taught you about and um, all that info, all that brain space that used to hold maybe important things now holds all this stuff we've been putting in there. You know, some history of cheese. Yeah, you know, taxidermy. At this point, some witchcraft, even if you're not a (laughs) partitioner in that. Um, It's just been fun, and having this community has been really cool. Editing Yuri here. Speaking of listeners, we wanted to wish a very happy birthday to a super special listener, one of my best friends, Jared, who's been a listener since episode one and continues to be here week after week. We love you, and a happy birthday. I'm very proud of us, and I've had a lot of fun doing this podcast with you, even when you've left me distraught (laughs) for a week about what the hell happened to these poor people. Yeah, I'm sorry. But before we get into that... I know you've been doing some cool stuff this week. You want to tell the people? Yeah, um, I put up my Halloween tree uh, this week, which this is going to be the last year for my white tree because um, it's pre-lit and half of the lights don't work. And I said that last year was going to be the last year, (laughs) uh, but we're getting one more year out of that bad boy that I bought four years ago on a Black Friday sale. (laughs) Um, I don't put up a Christmas tree because as I have bitched about and will continue to bitch about um i apologize dear oddlings uh i fucking hate christmas so when i put up my tree it is halloween themed my tree topper is a pumpkin all of my ornaments are like eyeballs and bats and ghosts and all of my ornaments are black black and white um we'll post a picture of it on instagram because i have to humble brag that i made my tree skirt um it's black and is a giant spider web and i I think that you should give us a tour 
I will. I will. Like, give, I like, give us a video. I'll throw a reel up on Instagram. I just, I want a Halloween tour tree. I will do that. Um, um, Halloween tree tour. Yes, that. Wow. <laughs> Um, I will absolutely do that. I that tree skirt is my pride and joy because I hand painted um, the entire spider web and it glows in the dark. Oh, that's so cool! So always a, a bonus. Love that. Well, dear oddlings, when we last off, when we last left off, we were getting into December um, of the Donner Party. This is Donner Party Part Two. Um, as Serafina said, we are in the middle of the pit of despair, and I'm going to tell you that it doesn't get better. <laughs> so, um, if you want to tap out, go ahead and do that now. Thanks for hanging out for the intro, but now we're going to go ahead and get into it. And once again, don't be eaten during this one. Yeah. Save yourself. Save yourself. <laughs> so, December 3rd, 1846. We're back into Patrick Breen's diary. He said, it snowed a little last night, bright and cloudy at intervals all night. Today, cloudy, snow none, wind southwest, warm but not enough to thaw snow, which is lying deep all around. Mm -hmm. Expecting it to thaw a little today, the foregoing writing in the morning, it immediately turned to snow and continued to snow all day and likely to do so all night. Ouch. Um, also, before we get too deep in here, I want to warn you that we do get into some religious stuff because obviously a lot of these people are going to be Christian. They're in a very dark, horrible time, and they're going to turn to their religion. So a lot of Patrick Breen stuff does mention God. I know for some people that's kind of triggering, so I just want to... Also, do you want to give the people a small refresher from last week? Uh, yeah, sure. Real quick. Uh, so at this point in the journey, we have batten down the hatches and everyone has made camp because the snow is too thick for the Donner Party to travel. And we're like mid-mountain range. Yes. Um, basically. We have no cattle now, basically. All of them have been killed off um, or were killed previously. Rations were already low before this point. Um, and yeah, things are... The winter is progressing. It's We're in like I said earlier, the pit of despair. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. December 6th, 1846. Patrick Breen writes, The morning fine and clear, now some cloudy, wind southeast, not much in the sunshine. Stanton and Graves manufacturing snowshoes for another mountain scrabble, no account of the mules. Mm. Uh, the snowshoes are of rawhide and oxbows, which is pretty cool. That is cool. December 8th, 1846, Patrick Breen writes, fine weather, clear and pleasant, froze hard last night, wind southeast, deep snow, the people not stirring around much, hard work to wood sufficient to keep us warm and cook our beef. So they're having a really hard time getting wood to even do things, and I imagine at this point people are not stirring because they don't have a lot of energy to do so. Yeah, I mean, having a homestead, especially people who are, like, off-grid, the amount, like, your summer is just putting up stores for the winter. Yeah. And these people, these are not their cabins. These are not their houses. It's abandoned cabins and lean-tos. They're, they're yeah. abandoned. Like, there's nothing there. No one's yeah. put love into it. No one's put energy into it. And they showed up during the snow. Yeah. They didn't show up and go, oh, let's do some stuff to get ready. Like, they're fully having a, a horrible time. Yeah. December 9th, 1846, Patrick Breen writes, commenced snowing at about 11 o'clock. Wind northwest. Snows fast. Took in Spitzer yesterday. Oh, shit. All in good health. 
some having scant supply of beef, Stanton trying to make a raise of some for his Indians and self, not likely to get much. Oh, gosh. December 10th, 1846. Patrick Breen writes, Snow fast all night with heavy squalls of wind. Continues still to snow. The sun peeping through the clouds once in about three hours. Very difficult to get wood today. Now about two o'clock looks likely to continue the depth of the snow, maybe seven feet. Jesus. On December 18th, Patrick Breen will record that it was around this date, December 10th, that Milt and Noah went to visit the Donner's separate camp. Mm. And they're only in tents, right? Uh, yeah, they had like a yeah tent lean-tos and tents together. I th- and I they were the like, Donners were in tents. Yes, right. Yeah. Like that's so yeah. crazy. And they were like six miles back. Right. So you still have to travel six miles, six miles seven and seven feet of snow. snow. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. December thirteenth, eighteen forty-six. Patrick Breen writes, snows faster than any previous day. When northwest. Stanton and Graves with several others making preparations to cross the mountains on snowshoes, snow eight feet deep on the level. Holy shit. Yeah. Bayless Williams, one of the Reed's hired men, dies, probably of a fever. This is the part where the deaths are gonna start happening more frequently. Uh like I was saying earlier, it really does only go down hill from here. It's like Game of Thrones. Don't get attached to anybody. Yes. Yeah. Uh, December 16th, 1846. Patrick Breen writes, Fair and pleasant. Froze hard last night, and the company started on snowshoes to cross the mountains. When company um, that he's mentioning is composed of 17 of the strongest emigrants with six days starvation rations each. 30 years later, this band of snowshoers is dubbed the Forlorn Hope. Hmm. 17 people started out in the Forlorn Hope, each equipped with a blanket or quilt and a ration of food that was to last for six days, a strip of stringy, dried beef, and a little sugar and coffee. The group was also supplied with one rifle, a few pistols, a hatchet, and tobacco for the men. As, yeah. Just the men? Just I got a men. problem with Only 14 members had snowshoes. The others tramped along behind as best they could in their leather shoes. Their immediate destination was Johnson's Ranch, the closest settlement over the pass, and down in the Sacramento Valley. They estimated... Yeah. Within a few days, the members of the Forlorn Hope were over the pass and several miles west, down the hill at Summit Valley. The snow there was about 11 feet deep. Oh, wow. Another strong winter storm moved into the mountains on December 18th with heavy snow and a cold, furious wind. So, like, it's 11 feet deep already. Some of these people are just in boots. Like, they're... Yeah. Well, the thing is with it freezing, you probably only have a couple of inches that are actually, like, snow. Yeah. After that, it's all, like, just a lasagna layers of packed in ice yeah we're now in a more desperate situation than before surrounded by deep snow with frostbite setting in and their food supplies nearly gone oh shit lewis and salvatore the two native americans from sutter's fort did their best to lead the pioneers in the blinding snowstorm but they were effectively lost because like they also can't see what they're doing when it's like snowing and icing One day, William Eddy found a small portion of bear meat that his wife Eleanor had secretly hidden in his pack. 
Eddie always shared any wild game that he was able to hunt, but this time he kept the discovery to himself. He hoped the precious protein might give him the strength to lead the pioneers out to safety and help. I just... It's just not... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine your entire life depending on one strip of bear meat. A small meat. portion of bear meat that your wife hid for you, and you're wow. like... Uh, December 17th, 1846. Charles Berger and young William Murphy are unable to keep up with the snowshoers and return to the camp. Patrick Breen writes, Pleasant sunshine today, wind about southeast, Bill Murph returned from the mountain party last evening, Bayless died night before last, Milt and Noah went to Donner's eight days since, not returned yet, thinks they got lost in the snow. Jay Denton here and never came back mm -hmm. either, which is horrifying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anything could have happened. December 18th, 1846. Patrick Breen writes, Beautiful day, sky clear. It would be delightful were it not for snow lying so deep. Thaws but little on the south side of shanty. Saw no strangers today from any of the shanties. December 20th, 1846. The snowshoers reach Yubba Bottoms. Patrick Breen writes, Night clear, froze a little, now clear and pleasant. Wind northwest, thawing a little. Mrs. Reed here, no account of Milt. Yet Dutch Charlie started for Donners, turned back, not able to proceed. Tough times, but not discouraged. Our hopes are in God. Amen. You gotta have something, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they have nothing else to hold on to. <laughs> what, like, what do you do? Like, if, you, if you're not... Start making snow cones, I guess. I, I yeah. Know. December 21st, 1846. About this date, the snowshoers' rations run out. Charles Stanton, too weak to leave camp in the morning, sits in the snow, smoking his pipe, and tells the rest of the forlorn hope to go on without him. Oh my gosh. Exhausted and snow blind, he was too weak from was nothing anyone could do to help him. In the end, Charles Stanton, the brave bachelor who had risked everything to get supplies from Sutter's Fort earlier in our story, could not save his own life. And they just had to leave him. Wow. Yeah. Patrick Breen writes, Milk got back last night from Donner's camp with sad news. Jacob Donner, Sam Shoemaker, Reinhardt and Smith are dead. The rest of them in a low situation. Snowed all night with a strong southwest wind. Today cloudy. Wind continues but not snowing. Thawing sun shining dimly and hopes it will clear off. Honey, it ain't cleared off. 13 feet of snow at this point. No. Oh, gosh. I do appreciate that he puts the direction the wind's at. Me too. I, I left it in why. here because I liked it. It's so... 46. Patrick Breen writes, Snowed all last night. Continued to snow all day with some few intermissions. Oh, Jesus. Had a severe fit of the gravel yesterday. I am well today. Praise to be the God of heaven. The gravel. A fit of gravel is old-timey speak for kidney stones. <gasps> No. Yes. No. Yes. No. So you are dying of starvation, freezing to death, and now you have kidney stones. Throw me out in the ice, baby. I'm done. Yes. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, I had to uh, look up, like, a old medical uh, term to figure out fit of the gravel. I mean, that makes sense. That's literally how I feel. Yeah. The fit of the gravel. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Poor Patrick Breen. Poor Patrick Breen. December 23rd, 1846. Patrick Breen writes, Snowed a little last night. Clear. Began this day to read the 30 days prayer. May Almighty God grant the request of an unworthy sinner that I am. Amen. 
Like, I, there's just no hope. Literally. Yeah. December 24th, Patrick Breen writes, Rained all night and still continues to rain. Poor prospects for any kind of comfort, spiritual or temporal. Wend south. May God help us to spend the Christmas as we ought, considering circumstances. Like, ugh. Yeah, they're gonna need more than three wise men, let me tell you. Yeah. Jeez Louise. On to our forlorn hope group. They are lost in the mountains, where it has begun to snow, and have been three days without any food. Mary Graves recalled, What to do we did not know. Some of those who had children and families wished to go back, but the two Indians said they could go on. I told them I would go too, for to go back and hear the cries of hunger from my brothers and sisters was more than I could stand. I would go as far as I could, let the consequences be what they might. They discuss killing one of their number for food and draw. Patrick Dolan loses the draw, but nobody can bear to kill him. I'm sorry. I feel like you said that sentence so fast. Okay. You mean to tell me. They were like, we're drawing sticks, baby, and you're, yes. you're going to become dinner? They drew lots. Patrick Dolan lost. And no one can bear to kill him, though. Around 11 p.m., the storm blows out the fire. Oh, no. Jesus Christ, many Christmas. Yeah. William Eadie gets everyone to sit in a ring over which the blankets are pulled. The snow covers them. This camp will later be known as the Camp of Death. Um, Antonio, a Mexican teamster, dies. Then Franklin graves in the arms of his daughters, Mary and Sarah. Wow. Yeah. Whew. That is... A lot. That's heavy. Yeah. Did they eat them then? We're gonna... We're gonna get there. Okay. December 25th, 1846. Patrick Breen writes, Began to snow yesterday about 12 o'clock. Snowed all night and snows yet rapidly. Wind about east by north. Great difficulty in getting wood. John and Edward has to get I am not able. In God, amen. Back at the Forlorn Hope Camp, snowshoers at the Camp of Death, Patrick Dolan and young uh, Lemuel Murphy die. Two more? Yeah. Holy shit. December 26th, 1846. The snowshoers in the Forlorn Camp group resort to cannibalism, mm. quote, averting their faces from one another and weeping. End oh my quote. gosh. December 29th, 1846. Charles Berger dies in Kesseberg's lean-to. So we have people dying at the Forlorn Hope Camp. Now you're the Camp of Death. And more people dying back at the, the camp that everyone left from. Oh my gosh. December 30th, 1846. Forlorn Hope's human meat is gone. Oh, William Jesus. Foster suggests that Lewis and Salvador be killed for food. William Eddy disagrees and tells Foster's idea to the Native Americans, who initially are incredulous and then vanish into the woods. No. Yeah. Oh, shit. Which is not good. I, I mean, they're lost. Yeah, they're so, not. Yeah. yeah. December 31st, 1846. Patrick Breen writes, Last may we, with God's help, spend the coming year better than the past, which we purpose to do if Almighty God will deliver us from our present dreadful situation, which is our prayer if the will of God sees it. Yeah, I apologize, uh, oddlings. We're, um, gonna get deep in here. I mean, I'm already, like... Riveted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I hate to say that with, like, real people's lives, it's but... It's a lot. 
It's so intense. So now we're into January. January 1st, 1847. Patrick Breen writes, We pray the God of mercy to deliver us from our present calamity, if it be his holy will. Amen. Commenced snowing last night. Does not snow fast. Wind southeast. Sun peeps out at times. Provisions getting scant. Dug up a hide from under the snow yesterday for milt. Did not take it yet. January 3rd, 1847, Patrick Breen writes, Mrs. Reed talks of crossing the mountains with her children. Provisions scarce. What is she, ma'am? Yeah. I mean, why? I, what can I you can't do? imagine. I get it. What yeah. can you do? But still. January 7th, 1847, back at Forlorn Hope. About this time, William Eddy kills a deer, but too late to save Jay Fostick, who dies in the night. January 8th, 1847, Patrick Breen writes, Mrs. Reed and company come back this morning, could not find their way on the other side of the mountain. They have nothing but hides to live on. Martha is to stay here. Milton and Eliza going to Donner's. Mrs. Reed and the two boys going to their own shanty in Virginia. Prospects dull. May God relieve us all from this difficulty if it is holy will. Amen. January 9th, 1847. Back at Forlorn Hope. About this time, the surviving snowshoers come upon Lewis and Salvador lying exhausted and near death. William Foster shoots them, believing their flesh was the rest of the group's last hope of avoiding imminent death from starvation. Holy shit. January 10th, 1847. Uh, the Mexicans lose Los Angeles, California to the United States Marines. Hmm. The war in California is essentially over, freeing men and supplies for other rescue attempts. Oh, okay. January 12th, 1847. Back at Forlorn Hope. The snowshoers reach a Native American village whose inhabitants share their meager supplies, mainly acorn bread. Better than human thigh. Better than nothing, also. January 17th, 1847. Patrick Breen writes, Eliza Williams came here this morning, sent her back again to graves. Lanthorn crazy last night, so Bill Murphy says. Keyberg sent Bill to get hides off his shanty and carry them home in this morning. Provisions scarce. Hides are the only article we depend on. We have little meat yet. May God send us help. Back at Forlorn Hope, about this date, the travelers reach the Native American village. Foster and the five women are too weak to continue. January 18th, 1847. Back at Forlorn Hope, Eddie gives a Native American a pouch of tobacco to half carry him to the nearest settlement. Johnson's Ranch, several miles away. The settlers are aghast at the sight of the emaciated wreck of a man. They follow his bloody footprints back to the village and bring in his companions. Whew. Tobacco. Yeah. January 19th, 1847. Patrick Breen writes, Clear and present. Thawing a little in the sun. Wind southwest. Peggy and Edward sick last night by eating some meat that Dolan threw his tobacco on pretty well today praise god for his blessings lanthorn very low in danger if relief don't come soon hides are all the go not much of any other in camp wow january 21st 1847 patrick breen writes fine morning wind west did not freeze quite so hard last night as it has done john bannis and denton came this morning with eliza she won't eat hides mrs reed sent her back to live or die with them milk got his toes froze the Donners are well. January 23rd, 1847. Patrick Breen writes, 
Blew hard and snowed all night. The most severe storm we experienced this winter. No, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Oh my god. We're in January now. Right. Yeah. We're almost to the end of January. Yes. January 24th, Patrick Breen writes, Ceased snowing yesterday about 2 o'clock. Wind about southeast. All in good health. Thanks be to God for his mercies endureth forever. Heard nothing from Murphy's camp since the storm. Expect to hear they suffered some. The infant, Louis Kiesberg Jr., dies on this day. Oh, wow. January 27th, 1847. Patrick Breen writes, Began to snow yesterday and still continues to sleet, thawing a little. Wind west. Mrs. Kieber here this morning. Kiesberg sick and Lanthorm lying in bed the whole of this time. Don't have fire enough to cook their hides. Bill and Sim. Murphy sick. January 29th, 1847. Back at Forlorn Hope. While recuperating, Eddie has dictated a letter which has been carried to John Sinclair, the alcade or magistrate of the Sacramento district. Sinclair alerts others in the area on this day, writes a letter to his colleagues, Washington A. Barlett, alcade of San Francisco. So now we're, you know, help is starting to... They're alerting people. Yeah, but it's still like 150 miles away. Like Also there's still a ton of snow right. and it's not like you can get a helicopter out there or right. something these people also still have to travel right. so and we're in two months now yeah we're two months into this january 30th 1847 patrick breen writes john and edward went to graves this morning the graves seized on mrs reed's goods until they would be paid also took the hides that she and family had to live on she got two pieces of hides from there and the balance they have taken you may know from these proceedings that our fair is in camp. There is nothing to be got by hunting, yet perhaps there will be soon. God send it. Amen. So now these people are fighting over, like, what rations they have mm-hmm. left. Cause, like, they don't have much of a choice. So. Yeah, this is truly a, a fight for survival. Yeah. January 31st, 1847. Patrick Breen writes, Lanton Murphy died last night about 1 o'clock. Mrs. Reed and John went to Graves this morning to look after her goods. Rescuer Daniel Rhodes remembered, quote, they gave the alarm that the people would all die without assistance. Two weeks before any person would consent to go. Finally, we concluded we would go or die trying, for not to make any attempt to save them would be a disgrace to us and California as long as time lasted. Shout out to people who think like that. Literally. John Sutter, proprietor of Sutter's Fort, and Captain Edward Kern, the fort's temporary commander, offer $3 a day to anyone who will join a rescue party. (sighs) Oh, God. (laughs) Like, (laughs) February 2nd, 1847, Harriet McCutcheon dies. And then um, February 3rd, 1847, Alcade Barlett of San Francisco calls a public meeting to raise funds and organize a party to rescue the trapped immigrants. The local citizens make generous donation of money, goods, and services. So we're getting there, I guess. Yeah, but we need to be doing this in January. Yeah. <laughs> like February 4th, 1847, Margaret Eadie, whose father left with the forlorn hope, dies. And that's the other thing, too. It's like these people are dying back at camp, and the people who left don't know. Yeah. And they're not going to know. Yeah. And they might not survive to know anyway. February 5th, 1847. While the inhabitants of San Francisco are getting organized, a rescue party called the First Relief leaves Johnson Ranch. At the lake, Patrick Breen records, Peggy very uneasy for fear we shall all perish with hunger. 
We have but little meat left, and only part of three hides has to support Mrs. Reed. She has nothing left but one hide and is on Graves' shanty. Milt is living there and likely will keep that hide. February 6th, 1847, Patrick Breen writes, It snowed faster last night and today than it has done this winter and still continues without an intermission. Wind southwest. Murphy's folks or Keysburg say they can't eat hides. I wish we had enough for them. Mrs. Edie very weak. February 7th, 1847. In San Francisco, a naval officer, Selim E. Woodworth, has been put in charge of the relief operations. James F. Reed is to lead the rescue party called the Second Relief. Both men set out for San Francisco on this day. Woodworth to sail for Sutter's Fort, Reed to cross San Francisco Bay and recruit men and horses in the Sonoma and Napa areas. Patrick Breen writes, ceased to snow last night after one of the most severe storms we experienced this winter and, we, and like he's already said that so like right it's got to be really bad the snow fell about four feet deep oh my fuck yeah i had to shovel the snow off our shanty this morning it thawed so fast and thawed during the whole storm today it is quite pleasant wind southwest milt is here today and says mrs reed has to get hide from mrs murphy William Eady's wife, Eleanor, dies at the Murphy cabin. Wow. February 8th, 1847. Augustus Spitzer dies. February 9th, 1847. Patrick Breen writes, Mrs. Murphy here this morning, Pike's child all but dead. Milt at Murphy's, not able to get out of bed. Keyberg never gets up, says he's not able. John Breen, who is uh, Patrick's son, went down today to bury Mrs. Edie and child. Heard nothing from Graves for two or three days. Mrs. Murphy just now going to Graves. Fine morning, wind southeast, froze hard last night, begins to thaw in the sun. Milt Elliott dies at 9 p.m. I feel like we need to take, like, an intermission and, like, (laughs) bring out the dancing lobsters or something. This is so depressing. Yeah. I feel so bad for these people. Yeah. February 10th. 1847. Patrick Breen writes, beautiful morning, wind west, froze hard last night. Today, thawing in the sun, Jay Denton trying to borrow meat for graves, had none to give. They have nothing but hides. All are entirely out of meat, but a little we have. Our hides are nearly all eat up, but with God's help, spring will soon smile upon us. This entry, like, really stood out to me because I'm like, can you imagine you're this far in and you're writing about spring? Like, you are... Because you're only in February, baby. Like, you got time. Yeah. (sighs) February 11th, 1847. The first relief reaches Mule Springs, four miles beyond the snow line. February 14th, 1847. Patrick Breen writes, Fine morning, but cold before the sun got up. Now thawing in the sun. Wind southeast. Ellen Graves here this morning. John Denton not well. Froze hard last night. John and Edward buried Milt this morning in the snow. And they're still burying people, which is blowing my mind. Yeah, Like, I get why, because it's, like, human decency, but, like, you do not have the energy to be doing that. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, you don't... How how can you dig? Yeah. You can barely stand. February 15th, 1847. First relief. Three of the men turn back. Seven continue on towards the Donner camps. Patrick Breen writes... Mrs. Graves refused to give Mrs. Reed any hides. Put suitors' pack hides on her shanty. Would not let her have them. Says that if I say it will thaw, it then will not. She is a case. So like She is a case. She is a case. February 16th, 
1847, Patrick Breen writes, commenced to rain yesterday evening, turned to snow during the night, and continued until after daylight this morning. It is now sunshine and light showers of hail at times. Wind northwest by west. Yeah. Yeah. February 17th, 1847. Woodworth's launch arrives at Sutter's Fort. It has taken him 11 days, fighting against the wind and the strong current of the swollen Sacramento River. He leaves the same day for Johnson's Ranch, the staging point of the rescue effort. February 18th, 1847. Patrick Breen writes, Froze hard last night. Today, clear and warm in the sun. Cold in the shanty or in the shade. Wind southeast. All in good health. Thanks be to Almighty God. Amen. February 19th, 1847. Patrick Breen writes, Froze hard last night. Seven men arrived from California yesterday with some provisions, but left the greater part on the way. Today clear and warm for this region. Some of the men are gone today to Donner's camp. We'll start back on Monday. Daniel Rhodes, one of the rescuers, recalled, At sunset, we crossed Truckee Lake on the ice and came to the spot where we had been told we would find the immigrants. We looked all around, but no living thing except ourselves was in sight. We raised a loud hello, and then we saw a woman emerge from a hole in the snow. As we approached her, several others made their appearance in like manner coming out of the snow. They were gaunt with famine, and I never can forget the horrible ghastly sight they presented. Oh, the first woman spoke in a hollow voice, very much agitated, and said, Are you men from California, or do you come from heaven? Whew. Really? February 20th, 1847. Catherine Pike dies. Three of the rescuers go to Alder Creek to check on the Donners. 1847, Patrick Breen writes, Thawy warm day. And that's it for that entry. Okay. The rescuers return to the lake camp from Alder Creek, bringing six immigrants who are strong enough to travel. February 22nd, 1847. First relief. Rescuers leave the lake camp with 23 refugees. Second relief. After spending several days drying meat at Johnson's Ranch, Reed's party sets out of the mountains. Patrick Breen writes, The Californians started this morning, 23 in number, some in a very weak state, fine morning, wind southwest. For the three last days, Mrs. Keysburg started and left Keysburg here. He was unable to go. Patty and Reed and Thomas came back. Patty Reed, eight years old, and her little brother Tommy give out and have to be taken back to the brain cabin. Patty tells her mother, well, Ma, if you never see me again, do the best that you can. Oh my god. 31 people remain in the camp. There have been 10 deaths at the lake camp and four at Alder Creek. February 23rd, 1847, Patrick Breen writes, Froze hard last night. Today, fine and thawy has the appearance of spring, all but the deep snow. Wind south-southeast. Shot Towser, a dog, and dressed his flesh. Mrs. Graves came here morning to borrow meat, dog, or ox. They think I have meat to spare, but I know to the contrary. They have plenty hides. I live principally on the same. February 24th, 1847, first relief. John Denton is unable to continue and must be left behind. So now, like all the first, re like the relief groups that they're sending in are also struggling yeah. because they're traveling in the snow. Yeah, because you're not supposed to do this. Yeah. February 25th, 1847, first relief. Ada Kiesberg dies and is buried in the snow. Patrick Breen writes, froze hard last night, fine and sunshiny today. 
Mrs. Murphy says the wolves are about to dig up the dead bodies at her shanty. Mm. The nights are too cold to watch them. We hear them howl. Oh my god. Yeah. February 26th, 1847. Patrick Breen writes, Martha's jaw swelled with the toothache. Hungry times in camp, plenty hides, but the folks will not eat them. We eat them with a tolerable good appetite. Thanks be to Almighty God. Amen. Mrs. Murphy said here yesterday that she thought she would commence on Milt and eat him. I don't think that she has done so yet. It is distressing. The Donners, four days ago, told the California folks that they would commence to eat the dead people if they did not succeed the day or next. In finding their cattle, which were then under 10 or 12 feet of snow, and the Donners did not know the spot or near it, I suppose they have done so ere this time. February 28, 1847. The first relief heading down the mountains encounters the second relief coming up. After nearly five months' separation, James Reed meets his wife and two of his children, but learns that the other two are still at camp. Patrick Breen writes, One solitary Indian passed by yesterday come from the lake, had a heavy pack on his back, gave me five or six roots resembling onions in shape, taste some like a sweet potato, all full of little tough fibers. Um, in Eliza Farnham's California Indoors and Out um, from 1856, John Breen called these soap root, mm. was the plant. Interesting, I don't think I've heard of that. Me either. So now we're coming into April. Uh, April 17th, 1847, the fourth relief reaches the lake. Lewis Kiesberg, surrounded by half-eaten corpses, is the only one alive. What? Yep. Will you repeat that for me? The fourth relief reaches the lake on April 17th. Okay. Lewis Kieseberg, surrounded by half-eaten corpses, is the only one alive. Holy mother of God. April 21st, 1847, the fourth relief leaves the lake with Kieseberg in tow. April 29th, 1847, the last member of the Donner Party, Lewis Kieseberg, arrives at Sutter's Fort. Supposedly half-mad and surrounded by the cannibalized bodies of his former companions, Kieseberg was later accused of having murdered the other immigrants for use as food, but the charges were never proven. And at this point, he, like, what if he had to do that? Yeah. What if that was, like, his own, like, what do you... Right. And hasn't he been through enough? Like, he's gonna be, like, fucked forever. Yeah, half-mad. I'm surprised he wasn't... Full-mad. One-and-a-half-mad. Like, yeah. past it. So, now we're into June. June 22nd, 1847. General Stephen Watts Kearney, headed east, reaches what he calls the Cannibal Camp. Mormon battalion veterans and his party gather the remains into the Breen cabin. The bodies are buried there, and the cabin is then set afire. So, one rescuer out of all of these groups single-handedly led nine survivors out of the mountains. Uh, perhaps the most famous of the Donner Party's saviors was John Stark a burly California settler who took part in the Third Relief Party. In early March 1847, he and two other rescuers stumbled upon 11 immigrants, mostly kids, who um, had been left in the mountains by an earlier relief group. What? Yeah. They left them? Yep. Okay. The two other rescuers each grabbed a single child and started hoofing it back down the slope, but Stark was unwilling to leave anyone behind. Instead, he rallied with the weary adults, gathered the rest of the children, and began guiding the group single-handedly. Most of the kids were too weak to walk, so Stark took to carrying two of them at a time, continued the grueling process all the way down the mountain, and eventually led all nine of his charges to safety. You gotta love a Stark. Yeah, winter came. Yeah, it sure did. 
Speaking of the incident years later, one of the survivors credited her rescue to, quote, nobody but God and Stark and the Virgin Mary. Wow. Yeah. So that's the entire timeline. That's the breakdown. But I wanted to give a mortality summary because we heard it in pieces, like, throughout diary entries, but not all of it at one time. Yeah. Um, so there were 87 immigrants in the Donner Party, plus Lewis and Salvador, for a total of 89 people. Of the 89 people, a net of 81 were trapped in the mountains due to additions and departures from their groups during the journey. Right. Of the total 89 people, 41 died and 48 survived. Of the original 87 immigrants, 39 died and 48 survived. Wow. Of the 81 people trapped in the mountains, 36 died and 45 survived. About two-thirds of the women and children survived, while about two-thirds of the men died. Mm. All four Donner adults, the couples George and Tamsin Donner and Jacob and Elizabeth Donner, died. Most of the Reeds and the Breens survived. Wow. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot of numbers. That is a lot. Okay, I have a couple of questions. Yeah. So the Donners never ate anybody, Um, is what I'm gathering? The adults all died, but they did have children, so I wouldn't say that necessarily. Oh, so maybe the kids did? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I was like, it's weird that it sounds like the Donner Party and they're the ones labeled it, but yet none of them. Well, the... the party, they were the leaders of the party, right. so yeah. But really, it was just If name. we're talking about, like, the Breener, like Patrick Breener. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... I didn't see anything specifically mentioning that he did it. I know he mentioned that it was, like, distressing that other people were doing yeah. it. Um, but a lot of other people were talking about how I mean, what they were going to do it do? if they had no choice. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. that's crazy Yeah, to go through that. And, I mean, it's crazy that any of them even survived, to be genuine. And they were children. They were children. They were children who survived this and adults who did not, so... Which is also a testament to what parents will do for their kids as well, I guess. But that is... And having to make the choice to, like, draw straws and kill someone. And, like, they tried to do that and couldn't. It's like... The idea that they are... They weren't all just mad. Yeah. Truly mad is astounding. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's basically two and a half months until they even saw another type of person. You know, until they even saw any form of help. Yeah. And that was already after, oh my god, eight months of crazy-ass travel. Yeah. So, Homeboy, um, that you mentioned in part one with the cut across. Ah, yeah. uh, Hastings. Hastings. Never faced any repercussion. Not that I'm aware of. Because if I got off that mountain... And made it, and I ever saw him again, we'd be throwing hands. It wouldn't be, we'd be, I would be doing crazy things to that person. Because it's also like, I wonder how many people he misled that went through this, and we don't have any record of it, and they never got any help. Yeah. You know, because I'm sure, I mean, Manifest Destiny is a terrible thing in multiple, multiple ways, but it also sent a lot of people who were not prepared for what it truly was more so than anything like this optimistic thing that was happening into like grave danger yeah and they didn't even know they had no idea because it's not like you can do a quick google like right it's not like you but it's like 
I bet that they had other stuff around them to eat, but you would never know because it's not like you could like look up like what what, pl- what spruce tips yeah. are edible or like what mushrooms are around or like you know like anything like that. It's not like they had any of that. It's that I could not imagine. Also, um, I did look it up really fast, and I don't think anything happened to. Um, Lansford Hastings, other than he did die of yellow fever. Well, good. So I hope that. it sucked. <laughs> yeah. I hope he had a terrible time. Uh, also, unfortunately, he was born in Mount Vernon, Ohio. Was he really? Yeah, I hate that for Ohio, us. Ohio, get it together. Yeah. Ohio, why? Oh, my heavens. Well, thanks for, uh, ed- edifying us for on this part, too. I hate you. I'm sorry. And I love you. I love you also. And, um... Um... I hope that you all <laughs> learned something. Uh, I know that people talk about the Donner Party a lot, but I don't think people realize, like, it is so dark. It is dark. Uh, and not in just that, oh, they were trapped. Can I be honest with you? I thought the Donners were, like, trapped in a cave in the mountains the whole time. Yeah. And it was just the Donners, and, like, they went crazy. I didn't know that there was, like, nope. way more to yeah. it. Wow. So, oddlings, I apologize for two uh, very dark, depressing episodes. I hope that you're staying warm. Um, I hope that you enjoyed at least some of this, learned a thing or two uh, from my my voice (laughs) droning on in the pit of despair that we've been rotting in here. Um, And, you know, stay odd, Arcadia.